Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? Mm. Just cooked uh, just cooked up some venison and sweet potatoes that I'm going to eat after this podcast. Oh, I love that. Maybe I'll make some venison as well. You got some in your freezer? <laughs> Tons. Tons. Bro, the lean, clean bulk is the play. Oh, you're killing it, huh? It's really, I'm, I'm two and a half plus weeks in at this point, and I haven't been this dialed on my training, nutrition, and recovery in 10 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's huge. You feel good? I feel great. Lean mass, stacking on, fat, minimal. Yeah. Yeah, and just quality workouts and like high energy brain power, like feeling good overall. Wow, you're into the biohacking stuff now, huh? No, I'm not into the biohacking. But but when you replace <laughs> Lucky Charms with sweet potatoes, when you're on high carb and have a higher percentage of your carb- carbohydrate coming from nutritious foods, I think I started the last podcast with this exact same rant, but I'm just going to double down on it. Like if you're eating 250 carb a day and it's it's like 150 sugar, you should make your sugar percentage as a total of total carb lower. Love that. And you're going to feel better. Makes total sense. Speaking of continuous glucose monitors. Oh, oh CGMs. This <laughs> freaking nonsense right now mm. that people are going off on. Dude, people are doing the dumbest shit with continuous glucose monitors. They're taking these glucose monitors, putting them on, having a meal. Maybe they, maybe not even a whole meal. They'll just like, oh, I'm going to have fruit or I'm going to have like this, this tortilla or whatever it is. They see their glucose spike. And then they say, see, <laughs> bro, that's this- what's fucking normal. Your body's supposed to do that. And then it comes back down to normal levels. Congratulations. You've just monitored a healthy glucose response. You've done literally nothing productive for anybody here. Well, I don't, I've seen this too. I actually haven't seen it in a while, but I, when I was in a real TikTok phase, there was this one dude who was doing that and everyone in the comments is like, do this food, do this food, do this food. And that was like, each TikTok was like, I'm going to test out X food with my continuous glucose monitor and then posted the response. And what I always failed to understand was like, you're making this leap in saying that when you, you have higher glucose in the bloodstream temporarily, that that's a bad thing. (laughs) <laughs> like, like that never was stated or addressed. And it was inferred by literally 95% of the people in the comments that like spike in blood sugar is bad. Try this food. See if it spikes my blood sugar, because if it does, I don't want to eat that food. It's like, okay, then you're just not going to eat carbohydrate ever, which nothing subpar yeah. life strategy for many reasons. But it was never even addressed. It was never even, there was never even a thesis as to why any spike in blood glucose is a bad thing. Yeah, there there are huge accounts that that's their entire entire thesis is that you'd never want to spike your blood glucose. Like any spike in blood glucose is ex- essentially a, a death sentence. Like never ever spike your blood glucose ever, and uh, and like you're gonna what? get fat and it's terrible for you. They, that's just what the fuck they say, and people eat it up. They love it. And I'm just watching them. Like what you're what you're seeing here is a normal, healthy response to eating this type of food not to mention like if you if you just have this one food like i've saw i've seen one guy do it with like tortillas i'm like are you just eating a tortilla 
by itself on number one, even if you are fine. Number two, are you regularly just eating tortillas? Mm. <laughs> like, because like, what if you measured your blood glucose response if you have a tortilla with meat and beans and rice and avocado and all this stuff in there? That's going to change it. But even eat, that stuff is even aside, beside the point. Because if we look at over the long term, over a month of someone having continuous glucose spikes, then going back down to normal and their calories are in check, the fuck do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Idiots. Well, your Idiots. Pan- your pancreas is going to release insulin and that insulin is going to pull that glucose out of the bloodstream and that's that's how things work. I mean, to try and play devil's advocate or like tr- to try and defend an idea that I don't agree with, some people who are very overweight, like clients of mine I've had who are very overweight and have poor insulin sensitivity, I'm going to have will generally do better on a little bit lower carb diet, right? I'm not going to put them on like on like the the macros I'm on right now with high carb, low fat. But that's that's a minority of the population. That's like a it's a an intricate detail that falls below the fact that total calorie intake is the most important thing for losing body fat. Like to focus all of this energy on certain foods that spike blood glucose, I, I just don't understand the bottom line. Yeah. Not to mention just like you were saying if they just reduce their total calories as a part of that reduction in calories, carbs would be reduced as well, but reduce your calories, reduce your energy intake and you're going to lose weight and then you'll become more insulin sensitive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think we're preaching right now. Like I can't imagine that. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get clips for our social media platforms. <laughs> Personal trainer and video pods now. We're, we're getting clips for our video platforms. So that, that whole heated discussion, that was pre-planned. You just saw content, pre-planned In content make- come out. So then we could put this on other platforms. And by the way, the Personal Trainer Podcast is making not weekly content, not monthly content, daily content on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, Personal Trainer Podcast Give us a follow. Links in the show notes. We'd really appreciate it. We're working hard to grow those. This is week three of 12 of the trial period. We'll see. We we might be audio only in January. Who knows? Only time will tell. But for right now, we are curating content for these platforms. And who knows? Maybe we'll be obsolete in the next 90 days. Obsolete. Maybe we'll take over in 90 days. You never know. It's going to be good. I'm excited. What look else? At, what other lean, clips are we trying to get? Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll get <laughs> in <we> there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the new purpose of the podcast is solely <laughs> to make clips for other, whether you enjoy it or not. Buckle up. No, uh, I want to yeah, hear I'm down I like hear about the over eight pounds, like eight and a half pounds down. Um, How about when that person said your weight is the same as it was 11 or like your all time low weight was 11 days ago? I would have quit even though you were losing more than a pound a week. Yeah, that was yesterday. Someone said that. And then today I had a whoosh and today I lost like over a pound. It's so funny. People quit and they don't realize that they just kept going. They would have, they would have made progress. People quit. There's two fucking obsessed. Actually, you know, um, a guy made a post yesterday. I got tagged in this a bunch of times. I'm going to see if I can find it. He's a, he's a, he has a pretty big account. I think his name is Adam Grant or something. Do you know this guy? Yeah. No. Adam Grant. Um, 
he made a he made a really good post and people were like, wow, this actually reminds me of everything you've been doing. I'll show this to you right now. So he wrote, a common source of disappointment is recency bias, weighing the last week more heavily than the last year. Zooming in on the immediate past magnifies slumps. Zooming out farther reveals upward slopes. Progress is rarely visible at a snapshot in time. It unfolds over a lifetime. And then he, he shared these, uh, because it's a video pod and you might be able to see it, he shared these little there you graphs go. where mm-hmm. you can see if you're only looking at it at one short point in time, you might think it's not working. But when you look at it over a larger snapshot, it actually is working. And it I got tagged in this so many times. People being like, wow, that reminds me a lot of your weight loss aspect where it's like if you only look at day to day, of course you're going to get frustrated. But looking at day to day is a waste of fucking time. You're not seeing anything. You're It's like – it would be like if you're trying to understand what someone is telling you, but you only hear four words out of an entire paragraph of things they're saying. Like you're only hearing four words, but you're missing everything else they've just said. Or if you're trying to read a book and instead of reading every page, you read four words on every page. Well, of course, you're not going to understand what's actually going on. Same thing with the scale. So yeah, people constantly message me. The best is when people are like, well, clearly it's not working. Clearly it's not working. I'm like, all right, sit tight, motherfucker. Yeah, you watch. Just, 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 just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Who are those? Like, are they anonymous accounts? Are they like, they're, they can't be other coaches. Who's sending that kind of message? No, it's not other coaches. It's usually, and, and I'm just saying the truth, right? So no one get mad at me. It's usually women. Misogynist. Between, Jordan's a misogynist. It's, it's, well, it's a usually women between 35 to 60. So pretty big range who from their previous messages to me and from what I see on their page have historically struggled with their weight and uh, they're just, they're angry. A little bit of projection. Yeah. 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 They're just angry and upset. And so oh, this is clearly, this isn't working. You know what? You're, you continuing to push through and document that journey and show them that actually it does work could uh, pull them into the light. Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping for, man. You're uh like when you said people quit way too early, <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> that's enough. People, people quit way too early, not only on fat loss journeys, but in, in anything and everything and most things. Yeah, business too. Yeah. We can make a whole clip about this. Let's go in on oh, this. This is the new thesis of everything. <laughs> Let's make a clip about this. Right now we're, we're doing seven per episode, so we don't need to like – Okay, make a clip about it. Jordan, do you think- No, people- no, you make a clip on it. Go in. You were the one talking about how people quit in life too early. Yeah, but I wasn't clip thinking this. about business. I was thinking about life. Okay, what were you thinking about? Like relationships? Squats. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking about relationships. Squats. <laughs> you have to understand that right now, my entire brain, and, and this brings me back to 2012 when I was obsessed with lifting and- as a result of the attributes and sacrifices made to maximize progress in one realm, it bled over into so many other decisions. It was like like that obsession around lifting, this is months, within a month after I quit my accounting job, I was like, okay, I need to continue to make money, but online poker is illegal in the US, like I'm moving to Canada. 
And I just on a whim, like moved to Canada, like was playing poker there for a few months. Then I was like, all right, I got to get my website up and running to look like JC Dean's. Like got that up and running. I fully attribute this behavior to the lessons that I learned through intense strength training. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm completely wrapped up in. There was a, where did I hear it? On, on my buddy, Danny Miranda's podcast, someone forget the guy's name right now, but and, and I'm sorry, because I'd like to give him credit. Um, but he said uh, something, to, he, they were talking about obsession and he was talking about um, I, how to identify what you're obsessed with. And along the lines of like, what do you, what makes you forget to go to the bathroom? What makes you like when you're staying up late at night and working on something and it's like past midnight and you're still working on it? Like, what's that thing? And none of this really resonated because I'm, I don't have a thing like that right now. And I don't even know if I ever have, like, it's almost like sleep is the thing, but the, my focus on my own fitness right now is that thing. It, it reminds me of Tim Ferriss actually said, someone's like, how do you find your passion? And he said, I'm pretty sure it was Tim Ferriss said, uh, what feels, oh, actually it might've been James Clear. What feels like play to you that is work to everybody else? Hmm. And and so interesting. I am I am fully on the lean, clean bulk, like all that's occupying my mind, sleeping nine hours a night, like eating nutritious, drinking a lot of water, feeling really good. Jord, is there anything better on earth than linear periodization than just slapping no, ten, thing. 10 more pounds on it week over week over week? And it just that's feels- That's why people get obsessed with strength training. Yeah. yeah it's just the best. Yeah. And it feels lighter the next week, but it's 10 pounds heavier, which, yeah. which and that's why <laughs> it's a very short window that it lasts. And, you know, clear, that's why people quit strength training <laughs> and it stops. <laughs> Full circle. Don't quit. Yeah. People quit too early quit. in anything in lifting. So that's, that's what I was thinking. Soak it up while you get those linear gains. And then once those linear gains stop, keep going. Exactly. And you might be thinking like, Mike, how are you making linear progress right now at this stage in your training career? I think that probably speaks to the quality of my training prior to this window, as well as the fact that I wasn't putting in this attention into recovery. I was eating at maintenance or a slight deficit. I wasn't in a surplus. Like all of these factors make it easier to build strength and muscle. I also think you've been so much more intense and deliberate with your not just like your uh, your actual training, but your approach to training, like talking about powerlifting periodization models, like trying different um, repetition methods. Like you, you've been much more deliberate with your your focus on training. Which you know, if if you just go in and, and you go through the motions, that's sort of like doing maintenance style nutrition. It's not bad, but you're not going to make tremendous, tremendous progress. But when you're like, Hey, I'm going to go hard on this for the next 12, 16, 20 plus weeks. Of course, you're going to make linear gains because you're actually going to push yourself. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and it's fun. It's like, it's super fun. Yeah. Would you say that your current obsession in life outside of your daughter is jujitsu? A hundred percent jujitsu and cardio, but cardio only because Cardio because of jujitsu and because of heart health. I'm going to show you another picture right now. Check this out. I just took this before we got on the before we got on the pod video pods. People love this. Blood pressure from today, 109 over 70. Wow. Yeah. Let's go. So between between 
blood pressure and just jujitsu performance. That's why I'm just, I'm obsessed and super passionate with my cardio. Um, Alex Viata is more obsessed with my cardio than I am <laughs> in terms of that guy is putting me through some truly hellish workouts and he is obsessed with me trying to really get an insane mile time, which frankly, I hate. Like I hate doing miles, mile times. Um, he has me doing these things called pace extensions right now, which is basically where I'll do, I'll do like 0.15 miles at like, uh, I'll, I'll, every sprint is at the same speed. So the other day I did 10.3, so 0.15 miles at 10.3 on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. And then I did a 0.15 mile rest and, and the, but the rest was still jogging. And then I what, went like, like 6.5 um, or something. <laughs> fuck no way it's be way too hard uh, oh. it was like f he had it at five got but it. i actually got lowered it. it to three because i was like i'm just gonna walk right now because i was it was it was a lot so i did a half mile warm-up 0.15 miles at 10.3 then 0.15 miles at three then point then i did uh 0.2 miles at 10.3 and then 0.15 miles at three and then i did 0.25 miles at 10.3 and then 0.15 at three and then i did uh, 0.3 miles at 10.3 and 0.15 at three, and then 0.35 miles at 10.3 and 0.15, um, 0.15 at three. And then, and then I go all the way back down again. So it's a total of like, I think it worked out to be almost four miles between the warm ups and those sprints at like just insane, insane sprint speeds, which, you know, maybe not insane for someone who's a legit runner, but for, for me, who's like my main thing is jujitsu. And then just running is sprinting is what I do to try and improve my performance. I hate those sprints. Like it's awful. It's like, uh, I can't stand it. It's, it's absolutely devastating for me, but I, I know for a fact I wouldn't do it if I, what, if I didn't have jujitsu, mm. like if, if I didn't have jujitsu, I wouldn't have the, wherewithal to push through that pain mm -hmm. Bec because I have some another level of performance that I want to achieve like and I know this will help me with that it's worth it for the pain but like otherwise it wouldn't be worth it for the pain so I'm very well aware of like jujitsu is the passion right now that's that's super interesting because from a, a maximizing heart health perspective you're you're getting and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're getting the majority of the benefit just from doing enough zone two work. Correct. Like, like, 100%. like these sprints are a cherry on top, but they're, they're adding marginal benefit from a heart health and longevity perspective. Correct. Whereas they're adding quite a bit to a jujitsu conditioning performance perspective. Yeah. So basically what we've been discussing is my, my zone two base he's beyond happy with. He's like, man, it's crazy to see how good your zone two is. Even how intensely I can run for a, a long period of time while staying in zone two. And that's been cool to watch and track my heart rate progress where like I can go for a very long time without getting fatigued because I'm still in zone two. Um, but that is only going to help so much. Like that's your engine. That's like the, the base, but you still need to improve your anaerobic capacity and endurance and power in order to really take your overall athletic performance to another level and especially for jujitsu so while the 
zone two work and the aerobic capacity and aerobic power will make it d- take longer for me to get into the anaerobic aspect, I still need to improve the anaerobic components. So that's where these sprints really come in and they're devastating. They're really awful. <laughs> but you know what's crazy is the guy who just broke the the marathon record, I think he broke his own marathon record. I forget his name. Um, I think that he ran the entire marathon at the equivalent of a speed of 13 on the treadmill. <laughs> That's wild. He ran the entire marathon at a speed of 13, and I'm sprinting my ass off uh, on 10.3. Like, unreal. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the best of the best. Yeah. The top. I mean, I didn't know the marathon record was just broken, but like one of the greatest of all time, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. It's the, yeah. The greatest of all time. Let me see. Marathon record broken. Let me see. Who was this? Oh, yeah. Eliud Kipchoge broke the men's marathon record by 30 seconds. And I think it was his own record that he broke. Um, he, he ran a marathon in two hours, one minute, and nine seconds. And it was 30 seconds faster than his previous record. How insane is that? Fast. <laughs> what an absolute savage. That's so crazy. You know what that reminds me of is the, is training to optimize health versus uh, like all time great achievements. Mm. Yeah. Right. Cause you might know this data better than me, but the, the mean life expectancy of elite marathon runners is like not that good. Yeah. It's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's very high. And I think that has a lot to say for not even necessarily their training as much as their lifestyle. I think if you're competing at a super high level, Mm -hmm. your stress has to be pretty high. Mm. I I don't think you can be, you're definitely not living a well-balanced life. You're like, you can't be, you can't be a professional athlete and live a well-balanced life. Never mind like the best in that sport like you there there are levels to this right you can't be the best of the best of the best and have a balanced life and i mean i think we're all pretty well aware of the negative effects of stress on life life expectancy and i don't think you can be the best of the best of the best without a pretty tremendous amount of stress chronically yeah bro i have the weirdest twitch going on like in my muscle right here in my forehead and it's (laughs) bothering me a lot (laughs) <laughs> I can't see it for whatever it's worth. No, no, I don't care about that. It just like, hope I'm not stroking out here. <laughs> <laughs> they got video pods and then Mike had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Week three of video pods. It was a good run. No, that's not what's happening. No, you're good. You're yeah, good. You're yeah. not having a stroke. No, I get, uh, I sometimes get like eye twitches, but very rarely right here. Um, what should we hit on next? You tell me. You know, we have an interesting we have an interesting question here. I don't know if this is going to produce a clip, but it's it'll be an interesting thing just to hypothesize on. From our guy Ryan says, Mike and Jordan. Uh basically I have a question for you guys. I think you could answer on the pod. It's about big corporations and hiring personal trainers. I have family and friends working for companies like National Grid, MetLife Insurance, and Amazon. All three of those companies, 
somewhat know the value of exercise in some way they do at least one of these things. Number one, pay their employees to work out. Number two, have a gym at the facility. Number three, hire athletic trainers for acute injuries slash range of motion work. Number four, spend millions on disability slash healthcare for their employees. So why on earth do none of them hire personal trainers? He's asking, why do none of these big companies hire personal trainers? Is it because personal training is relatively new still? I just think not only would it be extremely beneficial for the companies and the employees involved, but it would also be for the personal training career as a whole. I'm not sure if anyone has tried, but part of me wants to go to Amazon and explain the benefits of hiring a personal trainer for their employees. I know that's an extreme long shot, but it makes sense to me. Have either of you tried working with a big company or had the opportunity? Sorry, the email was long, but the two of you are the ones I wanted to come to about this the most. Ryan. Okay, so this is a great question but I'm going to answer it differently than how Ryan expects. So Ryan just said that he's going to go to one of these companies and explain the benefits of personal training. It's a terrible fucking idea. They know the benefits of personal training. It it would be like, um, it would be like if, if I, let's say I had like a dirty rug and a rug salesman or a vacuum salesman came up to me and was like, hey, you know the benefits of having a clean... I know the fucking benefits, but like I'm grinding my ass off working and I don't want to take the time to vacuum the rug. It's just not as important to me. Like I don't really care about it. That's more of the situation that's going on. When you have these big, big companies, they have so many things that's going on at any point in time. They have fires to put out all day, every day, tons of employees, tons of problems, tons of legal issues, tons of manufacturing issues. They, they have so much to focus on and they don't want another thing on their plate. So your sales pitch is not, hey, do you know the benefits of having a personal trainer? Your sales pitch is, let me make this as easy for you as possible. I'm going to take this entire thing off your plate and I'm going to help your, your employees get in better shape and you won't have to think about a fucking thing. That's what your sales pitch is. Your sales pitch is not, let me tell you the benefits. It's sort of like someone who's uh, smoking cigarettes. They know that it's bad for them. They know there's a skull and crossbone on the box. You don't go up to someone smoking cigarettes and say, well, do you know the benefits of not smoking cigarettes? You you explain to them, you figure out a way to make it make it easy for them. You make it as easy for them as possible. So from like an... I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know like what exactly you're going to do to make it as easy for them as possible. But you want to make sure like you should go in there with like, hey, here's the deal. Like number one, I'm going to do this for free. You're not going to have to pay me a dime for the first month. Number two is is like I'm going to run classes and I'm going to – this is the whole plan and this is what's going to happen. Um, And just again, make it as easy for them as possible. So the reason I got excited to answer this question is because so many people are – they're selling the – they're doing the wrong pitch. People know the benefits of exercise. They know the benefits of having a personal trainer. They're very well aware. They just don't want to add another thing in their life that's stressing them out and making it more difficult. They have to put it in their calendar. They have to have more meetings. They don't want to do that shit. So how can you make this as easy for them as possible? That's the question. I love it. I I don't have a good answer, Ryan. <laughs> but, Clip that. <laughs> <laughs> Fire content in the short form all over the place. Uh, I mean, I I haven't run the numbers here, but I would imagine that to have adequate personal training for an entire company is way more expensive than what's going on here. 
like what they're already providing. Yeah, way more. Was that your key? Was that your keyboard? Oh no, sorry, I was spinning this bottle cap around. <laughs> uh, pay your employees to work out is twenty <laughs> popcorn. I love popcorn. I could use some popcorn. Your keyboard make a noise over there. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> David will take care of that in the post. What? Uh, it's like twenty bucks a month or something. This like insurance kickback that that uh, most, I mean, maybe it's bigger at a company like Amazon, but it's not a significant amount of money per employee, right? I assume that the reason no companies, like non-fitness companies, hire personal trainers is because the cost of having adequate personal training for the company, for all the employees of the company, exceeds the benefit of all of their employees working with a personal trainer. Like, period, end of story. I would imagine that's it. Unless yeah, uh, I, unless we're just at a point where no one's tested it. It's too uh, obscure. It seems like a, a large, in- because think about it. If what would each employee get? One session a week with the coach, like one one-on-one session a week, call that a hundred bucks. So 400 bucks per employee per month that's getting added to the bottom line or sorry, not getting added to the bottom line, getting taken away from the bottom line. It's getting added as an expense for Amazon to have personal trainers on salary to cover every employee. I would imagine that they just are making a guess that to pay $400 per employee per month isn't going to generate that much more revenue by means of like employee productivity or whatever other mechanisms personal training leads to better quality of life for employee, which leads to better top line for the company. I'm guessing it's a, it's a math problem that they don't think plays out. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Google does it. I actually have a a very good friend who is a personal trainer at Google, Google headquarters in California. And I believe how they structure it is it's sort of like they have a gym and the personal trainers are just there and employees can schedule a time with that personal trainer. Now, I don't know who's paying the trainer. I don't know if it's Google employees. I don't know if if it's the company. I don't know if that person is just on salary and and they just say, hey, these are my hours that I'm open, book any time within these hours and it's good to go. I don't know how that works, but that might be a good framework to begin with being like, hey, listen, like for the first month, you don't pay me a dime. After that, if you like this, I'll go on salary. I'll be working from this time to this time, and I will just work with anybody who wants to from this time to this time. Um, that being said, I mean, that's going to be brutal for you. Like that's, <laughs> that's a very brutal, brutal, brutal schedule. Like, hey, I'll be open from eight to five, whatever, and just keep, those hours will fill up. And like, <laughs> they absolutely, and it's not going to make very much sense to be like, yeah, you know, I'll be on, on retainer from like eight to five, but I'll work every other hour. And it's like, I don't know. I don't think it's the best bet for you. Um, generally speaking, I don't think that it's a great option. Now, on the other hand, for a very short period of time, I mean, if you're working at some of these big companies, you might meet some really great people, make some really great connections and, and, and work your way into a really incredible opportunity. But like... Yeah, I, I think it's a very difficult battle to fight. And I think you should just be making content online. Probably going to be better off. Yeah. And and I don't know if Ryan was specifically, if it was more hypothetical or if it was really focused on himself and, and getting a position at one of these companies. But I agree. 
it, it, it would be a cool way to cut your teeth um, if there was a little bit of mentorship built in, if there was a little bit of like an existing structure, if there were other, you know, coaches there, maybe more experienced overlooking you and you could go in there and drink from the fire hose and get 40 sessions a week. That'd be pretty sweet and do that for six months or a year if you've never coached anyone before, because the amount of experience you would gain through that opportunity would be incredible. But also, like you said, a brutal schedule, and I don't think it'd be eight to five. I think it'd be like, yeah, maybe like six yeah. to six, seven, six to six. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that would be rough. Man, you've got the best idioms. Cut your teeth drink from the fire hose. I didn't even know what an idiom was until you said that. So I don't think I can take credit. Let me just make sure I used it properly. Yeah. It's an expression, turn of phrase. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, brother. What do you think about, so there's a lot of like, uh, and I've been the biggest proponent of this of all time, this you versus you <laughs> mindset. Okay. And I actually really, really like it for fitness progress. The reason I like it for fitness progress is because everyone's genetics are different. Everyone's limb length is different. Everyone's like aesthetics are different. You don't know who's on steroids. You don't know what people are taking. There's SARMs, there's da-da-da, there's da-da-da. So like comparing yourself to other people from a physique perspective or even strength is like, there's too many unknowns. You shouldn't do it. I've applied that logic to other aspects of life. Like better to compare yourself against who you were yesterday than who someone else is today, Jordan Peterson, that kind of thinking. When it comes to business growth, have you ever had an enemy and do you find you that- You know the answer to this <laughs> question. set you up. <laughs> and do you find that sort of mindset, that competitive mindset beneficial? And, and by the way, I'll, I'll go full disclosure. The reason I asked this is because I saw someone's content that made me literally want to post 10, to go from zero posts in four years or whatever it is to posting like 57 times a day, just to like, just as like an elbow to the mouth of this human being, because that's how my gut reaction was in reading what I read. And then I was like, oh, I remember Jordan mentioning like, and, and knowing how competitive he's been with certain people. And I thought I'd throw it out there on the pod. Dude, that's how I've structured my life is competing with other people without them knowing about it. <laughs> without them knowing. That is, that, that is how I run every aspect of my life. My fitness, my business, my jujitsu, even like being a father. I'm like, I'm going to be a better father than that father. <laughs> and it's not deliberate. It is like, I don't even know if I would have noticed it if you hadn't pointed that out to me in so many different scenarios, but that's 100% how my brain functions where it's like, I see someone and I'm like, I'm going to do it better than you. And like, but it's the thing is, it's usually someone who's really good, someone who is already better than me. And so then I like take that as competition and maybe I won't beat them, but like, competing will make me better than I would have been otherwise. Whereas I think if it was just me versus me, I would have been like, ah, whatever, like I'm fine. Or I, yeah, I'm better today than I was yesterday, but then fall back off track and just go back into old habits. But when I have someone who's actually better than me to, to look at and be like, oh, fuck you or like whatever, like I got to do better than you, that that forces me to continue to try and be better every day. So yeah, I use that in every aspect of my life. Do you remember your first enemy? 
the first enemy I ever had. Maybe wrestling. I know. I know. <laughs> I I almost don't want to say his name in case this gets back to <laughs> you him. You don't have to. I I'm not going for that, but just like the scenario, the I'm gonna say his name was Ben W. His name is Ben. <laughs> ben W. I remember in third grade. I wanted to be like the funniest kid in class. Mm. And I'll never forget Ben W said like the dumbest joke ever. It was so stupid and everybody laughed. And I remember being like, why are you literally being like, why are you all laughing? That was such a bad joke. Just getting so mad that everyone thought that it was funny. Mm -hmm. And this is third grade. I'm like, mm -hmm. what? Seven, eight years old. And I was infuriated. And I and I was like told my mom about it and da 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 and, <laughs> and and like and my goal was to make sure like to get other people to laugh and, and like more frequently than Ben W did and uh, good so yeah I think and, and my mom laughs nowadays because anytime his name is mentioned she can see my demeanor change and I get mm -hmm. mad about it mm -hmm. all like always I will always get mad about at any mention of him. And like, I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but like he was, I think he was my first enemy. It's been ingrained in your blood from a very early age. Yeah. My mom loves that. She, she, she'll bring his name up just to see me get pissed. And it's like, I, it's not like I would be mean to him, but like, yeah, he was my first enemy in third grade that, that I remember. That's funny. The, the feeling of, <laughs> do you ever, not that exact feeling, but do you ever have that sense of confusion with, uh, just seeing like, and I guess this kind of goes back to the blood glucose monitors. It's like when I see like a post with millions of views on it, I'm like, how is this doing well? Yeah. Like it kind of like, why are you laughing at this joke? That was a terrible joke. Like how are so many people interested in this thesis? Dude, it, it blows my mind. I mean, it blows my mind and it doesn't because... I can understand where people who have zero knowledge on anything, they're just being bombarded with so much information. And it's funny, like I'll get DMs from people be like, hey, your post here says fruit doesn't make you fat. And literally I scroll one post down and it, someone is telling me that the fructose is going to make me fat. So there's so much different information. And I think there's a, a tremendous lack of critical thinking, like even just the the thought process that you outlined earlier of, okay, cool. So this is happening, but what does that actually mean? And why does this mean, why is it bad or why are you saying it's bad? I think a lot of people just don't question it. So yeah, it blows my mind for sure. Um, but I can understand why people with very minimal, little to no knowledge on it would be would be impressed by it and easily swayed by something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it does still blows my mind. I really think critical thinking is such an, such a lost, like I wish that was being taught in schools as opposed to so many other bullshit things they're learning right now in schools. Like I wish they taught critical thinking. I think that would be a really fucking good thing to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder how much of, the because you would think that it wouldn't even need to be taught you would think that like you know certain aspects of reasoning deductive reasoning like like would come naturally to someone living their life but i wonder how much this 
massive surplus of information that we're all constantly consuming is reducing our ability to do that. I Yeah, that's a great point. I think part of me thinks it's human nature, and I guess it depends on the human. It depends on the person. I know, I, I think it's human nature to believe what you're told, especially when you're young. Like when you're a kid and your parents say, this is what we do, this is what we believe. Like it's human nature to believe that. Um, I think it's it's more human nature just to be allow your emotions to drive your decisions often and, and like especially impulsive decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we see as we as people get older and and their brain fully develops and all of that, them being a little bit more patient and, and going more based on logic as opposed to emotion. But especially for you know, I'm I was about to say especially for younger people, but I talked to some adults, like full grown adults who really drive everything based on emotion. And it's uh, and there's no deductive reasoning. There's no critical thinking thinking whatsoever. Um, like I get in debates with people all the time, like especially this recent Kanye stuff. I've been getting debates with people, and uh, I've been getting in debates with people about hate speech a lot. And I know you probably don't want to go into this on the pod. Let's but like, do it. My tea is so high. I'll talk about anything. Okay, I'm gonna give you a, a debate that I got in yesterday. Let's hear it. And, and the woman got really, really mad at me. So basically, the, here's the argument. So she said what he was saying was hate speech and it shouldn't be allowed. Right now, I have an issue with this term hate speech, mainly because no one can give me an actual definition of what hate speech is. And I asked her for the definition and she used the term hate speech in the definition. And I was like, well, you can't use the word. I, I I need a real definition of what it is that we can actually understand it. And I'm the reason it's so important is because usually when someone says something was hate speech, it's because it offends them. Whereas someone else could say something that doesn't offend them, but they wouldn't qualify that as hate speech. Mm-hmm. I, I've and so she could, sorry real quick. I've seen definitions of hate speech that. Uh, that include the feelings of the person offended in the definition. Yeah. Yeah. When, when that's such a subjective answer that applying that, especially in law is, is wild to me. So, so I asked her, this is where she got, she got very emotional and upset. And I was like, okay, let me ask you this. Should we give real quick background? What did, Exactly did Kanye no, well, okay. Ka- right. Kanye was doing a lot of anti-Semitic shit. And and what he said was completely inappropriate. Um, but and, and as a Jew, like I hated what he said. But I think he should be allowed to say it. I also think that Instagram and Twitter and and Balenciaga and his talent agency and all that have the complete right to let go of him because they don't want to be associated with him anymore. Freedom of speech does not equal freedom of consequences. And I'm very glad that all of those companies have have restricted him and dropped him. Like, I love that. I also love that he's allowed to say that stuff because if he didn't say that stuff, we wouldn't know that he was so anti-Semitic and he would still have tons and tons of support. Like the free speech that gave him the opportunity to say these things has shown his true colors, which I love. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where I, I got her, right? Where I, I got her in her own uh, emotion as opposed to logic. And I said, okay, let me ask you this. If Kanye had said Jews are deplorable, 
do you consider that hate speech? And she said, yes, absolutely. I said, okay, so was it hate speech when Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters deplorable? And she was like, well, no. And I was like, why not? You're talking about a group of people and you're calling them deplorable. One of these people, she was Jewish. She was like, one of these people you have a real emotional connection to. The other ones you don't like. So it's hate speech to you on one end, but the exact same thing is not hate speech anymore. This is why we need a definition because this, this right here is the problem. And she got really upset about it and she didn't have, she wasn't able to have a logical discussion. I was like, you don't like this one group. So it's okay for you to hear that they're deplorable, but you are this other group. So you don't like that. And, and that was her reasoning was based on correct her emotions and being part of that group. A hundred percent. The, the. The argument, I don't agree with this, I staunchly don't agree with this, but what I know many would say who agree with her and could probably articulate it better is that people who supported Donald Trump were not an oppressed class, whereas historically Jewish people are an oppressed class. And so you you have a right to punch, right? In like 2017 through 2020, there's a lot of like, punch up, punch up. Like, it's mm -hmm. not cool to punch down, but you can punch up. You can say mm -hmm. things about the cisgendered straight white male that you can't say about the, you know, black bisexual single mother. That 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 line of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I, I, yeah, very much disagree with because it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you, if you're going to have a definition, you got to have a definition right. regardless. Right. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that, but yeah, that's what she was not happy about. And, and that's actually the, the main discussion point that I go to because it's the perfect example of like, okay, so what, what is hate speech? Is it, if, if they, it was funny, she said, uh, she was like calling people names doesn't count as hate speech. I was like, okay, well, is it calling them names? <laughs> like, and, and you're thinking of a few names that like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So so that's why there's a ma I have a major issue with, with uh, the term hate speech. Uh, there needs to be a better definition of it if people are actually going to use it appropriately. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I don't even know how we got on that. But we got on that because we were talking about emotion and the lack of of critical mm, thinking critical and thinking yeah. yeah 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 so and i think it's honestly one of the best things ever that he was allowed to say all this stuff because seeing how like the worldwide support for jews that have come as a result of it has been unprecedented mm. it's been unbelievable and yes i've seen some really anti-semitic comments and really terrible things happen and like in support of what he said and against jews but that's the minority like Looking at all of these companies dropping, that's all you need to know. Adidas, Balenciaga, his talent agency. He was escorted out of Skechers. He just walked into Skechers unannounced and he was escorted out. They're like, no, we don't want to work with you. I don't even think that's the, the mic drop because we've seen companies, I'm not saying they should or should not have dropped him, but we've seen companies drop people, whether it's athletes or other people for, and they have the right to, but for offenses that they probably that arguably they shouldn't have. I think the punchline mm -hmm. here is you you allow people to tell you what they think and say who they are in a long form discussion. And Lex Friedman did this perfectly. Mm -hmm. And and then by having a however many hour conversation and having back and forth and letting that person talk, 
good ideas beat bad ideas in long form in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I haven't followed it as closely, but that was like the moment for me where it's like, oh, like letting him talk and having a a worthy adversary when it comes to someone who can not only contend emotionally, argumentatively, like can hold his own in a conversation, but who's also very intelligent, very articulate, which Lex is, uh, allows that debate to be on center stage for people to then make their own judgment. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. He, he, he's dug his own grave with all of this stuff. It's been, it's actually been really crazy to see. Really crazy to see. This is the politics pop culture podcast here with personal trainers, Jordan, Mike, if you want more of this kind of content, thumbs up that YouTube, wherever you're watching, hope you're enjoying. What else we got here? We got Patrick in five minutes. We have a, we have a call with uh, Patrick, who's a member of the mentorship and uh, we're going to, he won a challenge. Which challenge did Patrick win? Short form content. Patrick, Patrick Short form content. doubled his TikTok. Or no, no, no. 50% increase on his TikTok in, in a one month time period. And super good, super like you can, you can tell when someone puts three seconds into putting together a clip or a reel and you can tell when someone puts a lot of effort in Patrick put a lot of effort in. So we're going to jump on zoom with him for an hour and do a deep dive on his business, uh, which, which will be fun. You know, I'm going to say this will be a good little practical piece of information. Um, I was actually speaking with Casey and the mentorship about this the other day, because, um, I try and follow as many people in the mentorship as I can. And I look at their content and, um, Casey overall, she has amazing content. Uh, she, she made one post where she basically, she, she asked a question in written form. She's like, what do you think about this? And she was like, I'm going to give you the answer in the comments in the, in the description. And it was in a real format. And I messaged her and I was like, I love all of your content. You're doing amazing. Don't do this type of content anymore. Don't do a real where you then just say, I'm going to explain in the caption. Don't do that. Because with reels, number one, the platform doesn't support captions very well in a real format. Um, it's much better like for the actual video. And this, this is what's really important. Whether we're talking about Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts, or, or really any video whatsoever, the platform cares more about total time spent watching the video than anything else. So you could have a short reel that's seven seconds and they watch the whole thing because then they, you know, they took a while to read the actual question and then they go to the caption or you could have a reel that's, we'll call it 28 seconds and they watch 25 seconds of that whole video. That 25 seconds is more important to the platform than the seven seconds of the whole video that they, that they watched on the shorter one. They want total watch time is far more important than than watching your entire video. So I would rather you, if you're going to make a reel, listen, I, and everyone knows we're big proponents of, of longer captions, but from a reel specifically, the focus should be on getting people to watch your entire reel and making it actually a longer form reel, making it 30, 60, 90 seconds and getting people to watch the whole way through. That's what's going to allow people to see your reel more is making sure that they're watching the whole the whole reel the whole way through and you want it to be a longer form. The total watch time is much more important than just watching an entire video that's very short. Great practical piece of advice here to wrap up the podcast. 96 in the books. We're closing on 100 video podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great day, a great week, a great weekend. Get after it. Get after your training. And we'll see you next week. 
See ya. <laughs>